Good morning and welcome to the Automation Morning Show. Today is Thursday, October 5th, 2023. And I'm Sean Tierney from the Automation Blog in School. And this is the show where I cover what's new and happening in industrial automation. And because I don't have somebody in the studio in the control room somewhere, uh, making sure everything's working, I'm gonna look over here and make sure that uh, that uh, everything's working, you guys can hear me okay. And um, with that, let's go ahead and jump right into it. And first up is uh, just a reminder that um, if you do enjoy this show, please consider giving us a like, a sub, and um, sharing it with your colleagues and friends because it really does help us not only grow the audience, but find new sponsors to sponsor the show, like the Automation School, who's sponsoring this episode. So if you know anybody looking for uh, PLC, HMI, or SCADA training, please uh, mention theautomationschool.com to them and appreciation for them sponsoring today's episode. With that, uh, we'll start here with our first piece of news. This is a press release from Siemens about Core, that's K-O-R-E for those listening, Core Power Select Siemens Accelerator to optimize their Arizona Gigaplant. Okay, very interesting stuff, right? So a lot of times I won't cover these, but this one was uh, interesting because this is, they're making in this 1.3 million square foot facility, they're making batteries right here in Arizona, USA. So in any case, it's great to see uh, local manufacturing. You know, I'm a big proponent of make everything local, you know, when you can, where you can, and uh, that includes every country in the world, right? And, uh, you know, people need good jobs. So um, uh, in any case, I thought it was a very interesting article. And uh, if you're interested in following the battery scene and what's going on and how they're being automated, this is another article in a series of articles we've covered on that. From there, we go over to a press release from Honeywell, and this title, Honeywell Aids in the Alternative Fuel Transition Through Safety Technologies, that didn't jump out at me. But as I started reading it, I'm like, yeah, I want to feature this in the show for a couple of reasons. First of all, they're talking about their, their latest infra infrared-based flame detectors, right? So in many of our uh, industries, we need flame detectors, right? It's a safety thing. And with hydrogen, as you learn in this article, it's so light that they really can't mix anything that smells, any foul smelling, uh, you know, uh, gas with it, right? The hydrogen just is so light, it separates from anything they mix with it. Unlike natural gas, which we all know has a, you know, a, a, a really rotten smell because of uh, what they mix in with it. So we can, so we know if there's a leak. So in any case, um, I thought this was interesting because of that, because of the flame detector, but also um, talking about, um, you know, using hydrogen as an energy source, right? So if you can make hydrogen, there's lots of different ways to uh, to separate, like let's say water into oxygen, hydrogen, or, or, or other ways of uh, getting hydrogen. But um, one of the things they talk about is uh, using hydrogen in energy. And, you know, there's actually been several uh, auto manufacturers over the last few years who have released hydrogen uh, cars, but not fuel cell cars, actual uh, internal combustion engines that run on hydrogen. And the beautiful beauty of that is, if you can make the hydrogen in a, in a non-polluting way, then um, when you run it through the uh, internal combustion engine, the only, and it's burnt correctly, I mean, if you burn it uh, in, in, a, in a poor ways or inefficient ways, then it can lead to other, uh, other um, pollutants. But if you burn it carefully, it, your only byproduct will be water, which I think is really cool because we've kind of mastered the internal combustion engine given that almost every car on the planet, the majority of them 
are that type of engine. Having said that, when you use a fuel cell, the same byproduct is just water. But in this article, they said when hydrogen is burned in a fuel cell, and that's not, a fuel, that's not how a fuel cell works. If, I think most of you know a fuel cell has a membrane, and when you pass the gas through it, it strips off the electrons, and that generates electricity. And again, the byproduct is water, but uh, I would ding them for that because we, fuel cells don't burn anything. Now, having said that, I would love to see more development of fuel cells. I know 10 years ago, there were a lot of fuel cells being developed that could do like ethanol, right? So you could put ethanol through the fuel cell and get electricity and still have no, no waste or no burning, no hydrocarbons made from, uh, from the exhaust, right? So um, like you would if you burnt ethanol inside of an internal combustion engine. So um, I think they've kind of been put on the side for the whole battery craze, but love to see more fuel cells on the market. Um, you know, so we could use things like uh, hydrogen and ethanol and other, other uh, you know, ready, easily to make products, things you can make locally that you don't need to go to some third world country and dig up out of the ground in an unsustainable and inhumane way. So with that, let me move on. I spent too much time on that. I'm sorry. Um, we go over to, I wanted to show you a picture of their, uh, their new uh, flame detector here. This is the FS24X+. Plus. This link is in the previous article, so I'm just going to link to the previous article. But that's what it looks like in case you need one. And with that, um, we have an article from Pills here about SPS, the Smart Production Solutions event on November 14th in Nuremberg, 14th through 16th. I won't be there, but there were some things in this article, and I usually don't share all of these because everybody's always announcing they're going somewhere, right? But I thought they had some uh, really interesting information about their products in this announcement that they'll be on the show. And when they when vendors do that, I do like to include that. The one thing that caught my eye, though, you know, the, the Pills makes all these great safety products, is, uh, is a line that they say, there is no safety without security. And that is so true, right? You can have all the safety products in the world, SIL 3, PLD, whatever. As, if you don't have cybersecurity or physical security, <laughs> people can wreak havoc. We all know how, if you have a safety PLC, you know, um, we all know how easy it is that somebody, if they have physical access to the enclosure, it doesn't matter how safe the program is, they can wreak havoc on the system. And if they have the right software and they can access your system remotely, they can also oftentimes wreak havoc as well. From there, we go over to an article from PNF. Now, this one's about Ethernet APL and how to deploy it easily in an intrinsically safe system. Now, for those of you who haven't been following along with us, um, you know, what, one of the major developments of the last few years is single-peer Ethernet, at least in the consciousness of, of, of those of us who are working day-to-day -day on automation projects. And while we may not have a lot of single-peer Ethernet products, what the Ethernet APL folks done has been great. They've taken that single-peer Ethernet standard and um, refined it to be a standard where that can be deployed in hazardous locations, right? So what they're saying here about how easily how easy it is to implement Ethernet APL or single-peer Ethernet version, uh, Ethernet APL, how easy it is to uh, deploy in an intrinsically safe environment It's because it's designed that way from the scratch. And that's really what the article talks about is why Ethernet APL is what it is and was designed the way it was designed. They talk about some acronyms like two Ys and other things, but if you're following single-peer Ethernet and Ethernet APL and you're thinking about upgrading the networks and hazardous locations, definitely uh, this article would be for you folks. 
From there, we go over to Grace, and I love these products that harness energy from the difference in temperature between the Ambia Air and the uh, device it's mounted to. We've looked at several of these over the, over the cost of the year. This one the, uh, is the Perpetua by Grace. They bought this company. I remember when they announced it. We did talk about that on the show. And uh, this article goes into, uh, you know, the advantages of these products, how they work. And, you know, I mean, one of the biggest advantages is that, um, you know, you don't have to go around changing batteries every year. I mean, if you have a thousand devices with batteries, that's going to be a lot of time maintenance spends changing batteries, right? And it feels unproductive, right? It feels like unproductive time, right? It's not fixing something or making something better. And um, by putting in these devices, like this power puck here, if you're watching, you can see on the on the screen, it kind of looks like a little bit like a porcupine. Um, you can eliminate the need for batteries altogether. And so one example, though, I thought the, the best example they had here is they have an Emerson Rosemount wireless heart transmitter, and they're powering it with the, with the uh, power puck. And so they'll never need a battery to be changed in this guy. And I conceivably, you would never even need to provide a, a line of power, a hard, hard line power to it, which would be great, right? Because, uh, you know, running the conduit out to certain places would be, could be very expensive, right? And time consuming. So I wanted to share that article with you. And then we go over to Universal Robots. They have a new article about welding automation. And I know a lot of us don't get involved in welding, but there's some great stats in here I wanted to share with you. So first of all, we know there's a shortage of skilled labor. A lot of people who have grown up using touchscreens like my grandkids, they don't, they're not interested in welding, right? They want to do something more high tech, right? And so there's a definitely a shortage. And one of the ways that people are, are trying to solve the shortage is just giving their existing welders lots of overtime, right? And that would be great if you want lots of overtime, right? The extra money. But there's a downside to overtime too. I think we all know this intuitively. But there is a downside to overtime, and it's been studied. They cite studies here from the 1940s, from 2020, and uh, later that talk about when you increase overtime to like 55 hours a week, right? So instead of working 40, you're working 55 hours. You see a you can see a productivity drop of 24 percent, right? So there's definitely a point of diminishing returns where people are working longer, but they're not doing more, right? They just, they just do less throughout the day than they would in an eight-hour day. You know, just because you're adding two more hours every day doesn't mean they're going to be more productive, right? And their productivity, 24% for 55 hours per week, that's huge. That's a huge loss of productivity. Now, they do this kind of set up their discussion about cobots. And they, they, you know, they address the point that a lot of people think adding robots is very expensive, takes up a lot of floor space. Um, you need to have a lot of guarding. They're very complicated. They take a long time to order. Uh, you, they're very difficult to program and they're very expensive, right? And so they come back and say, look, today's cobots, we don't have those issues. Um, a lot of times you won't need the actual physical guarding. Um, a lot of times the, the units from the time you get the PO to the time the, the unit arrives on your dock is three to four weeks. The programming is much simpler than they used to be. You don't need to be a coder. You know, a lot of times you can teach the robot, a welder can teach the robot how to weld. And uh, the cost is typically much less than what we used to have for the larger pre-cobot age. So I thought it was a very interesting article and I wanted to share it with you this morning. We also have a chat out there. Burnout. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. Yeah. That is what happens. People get burnt out. And you know what? I, I see it. I see it in family members today who are do, burning the candle at both ends because they're shorthanded at work. It's a real thing. It is truly a real thing. 
Uh, as far as that feature product today, we're featuring the Siemens S7 course from the automationschool.com. You'll see uh, various, um, here, let me go full screen again. You'll see various terminal blocks here on the table. So this afternoon, uh, well, actually, after the morning show, I'll be filming new lessons for this course and for all the uh, ultimate courses on, ultimate PLC courses, on my trainers. So over the years, and you may not think this because like a lot of you know more about terminal blocks and building panels and wiring things than I do. But in any case, um, a lot of my students over the years have say, hey, I want to know what you built. I want to build something just like you. I want to use the same buttons to photoize and everything you did. And so surprisingly, a lot of the students want that. We've been doing this for 10 years now. And a lot of students have continually asked that over and over and over again. So I'm going to be filming, uh, uh, you know, I live in a very remote area in the Berkshires. I don't have a major distributor anywhere nearby. And because I'm not a big company, like a big plant with uh, smokestacks, nobody cares about me. So in any case, when it comes to sales, right, I'm, I'm kind of a chicken little. So uh, in any case, um, I really have enjoyed be, uh, the supplier I found where I can just place an order and it, the stuff comes in in a couple days, free shipping. And so I'll cover those products, not to say that all the other suppliers out there who make this stuff aren't great. They are. I know they are. But in any case, I want to share that, you know, if somebody's building something at home, they may want to, may not want to engage. Some people will, but some people may not want to engage their normal uh, distribution channel to get these kind of things. So uh, we'll go through everything I use, including the, uh, the new ones with the removable terminal blocks, as well as the extruded aluminum, the T-slotted extruded aluminum. Those will be two new lessons that we'll be adding to not only the Siemens S7 course, but also all the ultimate PLC courses here in the next couple of days. So with that, let's go back to um, news. And we have an article here I thought was very good. I haven't uh, been following Antero for the last couple of weeks, but I found this article here. It's called Cybersecurity in the Age of Industry 4.0 and how that relates to industrial Ethernet switches. And I thought they did a, a good job here. And I really like how they talk about the cybersecurity, uh, cyber attacks, and you know, it's risen over 15%. The cost of cyber uh, attacks have risen, if you're the victim of it, by over 15% in the last few years. It's up to about $4.5 million per incident now. And I know a company uh, recently who, got, uh, who had a um, cyber attack where it was uh, ransomware, and they, they decided not to pay the cyber hackers, which is probably something I would do, but that people had to work for three days overtime to make up all the data that was lost, right? To reconstruct all the data and uh, put everything back into the system. You think you got hundreds of people just working three days straight, not taking, not working on anything new for three days straight. That's a huge expense, right? So cybersecurity is a must in our plants today. I was doing some consulting earlier in the week for one of my students and he showed me a network diagram in the plant and they had the office network connected directly to the OT network. It's like, no, like, look, you can drive around in your Jeep on the highway without the doors on, right? It doesn't mean it's safe, right? Doesn't mean that you may not like, uh, you know, for whatever reason, fall out or get bumped into and fall out of your car and get run over, right? So we typically require people to have doors on their Jeeps when they're driving on the freeway and you cannot have your IT and OT networks connected directly together. You've got to have a firewall in between those, right? So do you want somebody who walks into your library and starts using your free guest Wi-Fi to have access to your OT network? No. So in any case, they cover a lot of that stuff and more in this article, so I wanted to share it with you. We definitely cover uh, cybersecurity. It's one of the hot topics for us here on The Morning Show. From there, I just want to remind you that we did have ISA on back on Podcast 110 to talk all about 62443, ISA 99, and cybersecurity. So again, if you're interested in that and you missed that, 
check it out here. I also want to thank uh, OnLogic's and SoftPLC for sponsoring their appearances on our uh, podcast. You can see the ads running here as a, uh, as a thank you to them for uh, sponsoring the shows to make them ad-free. But in any case, um, here we see uh, uh, the uh, Podcast 110 with ISA. Now, I did just record a freebie show for the ISA, um, a gift to them on uh, ISA Secure, so that'll be coming out uh, in the coming weeks. We do, we do all the commercial-free ones first because those guys are underwriting the cost of doing the podcast, and then we'll, we mix in the freebies. We're actually going to stop doing the... Uh, the freebies next year because it's just turning into being uh, corporate welfare, which we're, we're not for. Um, they're um, <laughs> like I told one vendor, it's like we had we put you in front of twenty thousand of our listeners, you know, twenty thousand of our hundred thousand followers actually listen to your entire spiel, and uh, the revenue we got from ads sixty five dollars. So we spent several hours putting that together, and we got a whopping sixty five dollars. So. Gone are the days of corporate uh, charity. Um, we would much rather spend our time at the soup kitchen or volunteering somewhere else than volunteering to, uh, to put our vendors in front of uh, thousands and thousands of people for, for, for a pittance. So in any case, um, from there, we go over to another article from Antira. This is actually a few weeks old, but uh, this article is about uh, network address translation. Again, when I was consulting with one of my students earlier in the week, this came up. And I thought they did a very good art, uh, job on this article. So if you're keeping a list of articles that talk about network technology, definitely add this one to it. And, uh, you know, network address translation, it's more than just trying to get the open NAT so your Xbox or PlayStation will be able to connect to your online game This is or your PC. This is all about uh, uh, important things, you know, important things that we need to deal with on the plant floor. And NAT is one great way. Um, and NAT devices are one great way to, be, to allow OEMs to have standard IP addresses and ship their products into any, uh, you know, any company facility and then map their, you know, 192.168.1.1 to whatever they need to map it to for the plant. So um, great article there. Um, Electromate has a, a new article out. It's a comprehensive guide to direct drive motors. So if any junior people on your staff, you may want to put this in that list of, uh, you know, getting started articles. Um, they call it Automation 101, which I think is great. It's a great topic, and uh, they do these pretty often, as does um, DigiKey. They have a new article out called Implementing Compact High-Performance Tracking and Traceability. They really focus on the Omron uh, 1D and 2D readers, like we've covered them, and many 1 and 2D readers uh, over the uh, weeks. I think this is episode 120 for the year, right? So we've covered a lot of, of these 1 and 2D readers. And they really do a good job, and not to say that we haven't had a similar article from other vendors in the past, we have, but I thought they did a good job going through the 1D, uh, 2D, uh, DirectMark, and other technologies. And they actually talk, if you're using Omron, they actually go through and talk quite a bit about deploying the Omron, the, the different settings for it, and so on. So I wanted to share that with you this morning as well. From there, we got a new products from Pills, right? So they've released their uh, PSEN M-Lock Mini, and their PSEN S-Lock 2 um, products for safety, their safety locking devices for, you know, if you have a, um, a guard that you need to make sure that's closed. And I'm just going to go right down to the bottom and show you what they look like. But there's a lot of information in this article. But here you can see the two different uh, products right here. So uh, definitely, especially if you're a PILS customer or you use PILS products, you may want to check these out if you have any safety guards that you need to know if they're open or closed. From there, uh, just notice over at Automation Direct that they're also showing a very similar product. This is the SSP Magnetic 
locking RFID non-contact safety switch. So I saw that, I said, yes, let's uh, put that out there as well. And then for videos, we have a new Acromaggy, Acromaggy video. So, um, which I just, I, just, um, I just think this little cartoon is just so cute. But in any case, uh, this is an application video talking about how they use their, you know, we talked, I think yesterday about their ethernet analog IO. This talks about an application where they use their ethernet IO devices. In this case, they're talking Modbus TCP in a windmill, in a wind turbine. In a wind turbine, let's use more appropriate words there, in a wind turbine uh, application. I thought, it was, I thought it was a very interesting uh, little video and uh, talked about the application and how they integrated with, what was the vendor they were? I think it was, was it Honeywell or Emerson, one of the big vendors, uh, Honeywell. Honeywell, chart recorders, and other devices. So from there, we go over to uh, another video. This came out last night. I actually released it, I believe, at 1.30 yesterday because I wanted to beat that... Uh, the 220, did you guys get your phone buzzing at uh, 220? So um, it was funny because all of my, I'm on a group text with the rest of the family and we're all kind of chiming in when it came in. But in any case, my uh, televisions that are not on Wi-Fi never got a beep. So I was glad for that because uh, who wants to hear that all the time? In any case, um, this is where I had Cindy Hollenbeck from Soft PLC on to talk about legacy AB PLC migrations. If you have any PLCs, 5s or Slick 500s that are just overloaded and you have no space or you need more remote I.O. ports or you need to add Ethernet to it. I, right now, I'm, uh, I'm trying to find an Ethernet PLC 5 to cover my PLC 5 course. I did just obtain a control, log, uh, control net version. So we definitely have control net through the studio here. So I want to cover that in the PLC 5 course, which I'm filming. And I, I'm hoping to get an inexpensive uh, Ethernet version. But... They don't make them new. If you buy something new like that, it's a mega bucks. The software, for some reason, is outrageously priced, like $13,000, $14,000. There's no reason for that. There really is no reason for that. But in any case, I digress. Um, the, you're you're going to pay You're gonna pay maybe, I don't know, $2,500 for one of their uh, their uh, products. Now, now, don't think that this is software that you have to buy and put on a PC. This is actually an industrially hardened IPC that uh, has their control engine running on it, right? So not, don't want to confuse, you know, this isn't the old days where we get soft logics and we install it on our Windows PC and we put it out in the facility and then somebody steals the PLC, the, the PC, and we have no control. No, the, these boxes, and you can kind of see them here, um, they're like uh, industrial IPCs, you know, uh, industrial computers uh, running uh, uh, industrial Linux and has their, uh, their tried, true, and tested uh, control system on it, control uh, engine on it. So check that out. That's podcast 173. From there, we go over to a new event. I wasn't going to share this because it's at 5 a.m. Eastern, but the topic just seems very interesting. So you may want to catch the replay. But this is from Cognix, and it talks about how to see how AI simplifies machine vision applications. Now, we've talked a lot about the machine learning that's being built into the vision systems. Like we have this um, IFM product they sent in here. Let me go full screen again. So I can't wait. I, I'm just struggling to find time to play with these unsponsored samples. But um, like we had covered this, and I didn't put the link up there, but in one of the recent shows, we actually covered this. A lot of a, uh, machine learning AI built into this camera here, and it really simplifies uh, setting up the cameras. And they're going to be talking, Cognis is going to be talking about their versions in this uh, in this uh, webinar. Only bad thing is it's 5 a.m. Eastern, so on October 12th, so you may want to catch the replay on that. Uh, from there, we go over to uh, what's new in software. Over at Siemens site, I found a new version of SciCam Grid Edge. That's version 2.12.2. 2. 
And I also found patch P030 for WinCCOA, WinCCOA version 317. As far as new documents, over on the Allen Bradley site, I found a brand new user's manual for the PowerFlex 7000 medium voltage AC air-cooled air A-frame forge control drive. So PowerFlex 7000 for short. And then over at Emerson, they get a manual here on, um, this just showed up. This is a new manual on the Emerson Wireless 1410S Gateway. And with that, as far as our other science and technology article of the day, I found this great article on IEEE Spectrum about a new uh, LiDAR uh, uh, design that uses blind source separation. So we've covered LiDAR a lot. There's a lot of LiDAR sensors available from industrial manufacturers, industrial products, uh, sensing products that use LiDAR. And I thought this was very interesting. I was actually able to follow this one. And um, it, it's, it's a very interesting way where they look at the return light from two different areas and they are able to take out all the interference, right? So they look at it from two different angles. And so I thought it was very interesting. I wanted to share it with you. And if you want to like get the basics of LiDAR before you jump into this, we did have RC on from PNF to talk about LiDAR basics and technology. And at the end, I asked them to, to talk about some of the products they sell, but it's a very technical uh, presentation from RC. He's been on the show many times. Uh, PNF has been a great sponsor of the show. They actually sent in a new uh, IO-Link device um, for us to play with uh, when we get some time. But that was podcast 154. Um, and finally, for our daily poll, here's the call to action. Nobody voted in a 24-hour period. So if you think the daily poll is a good idea, then you know between now and Monday morning, vote. And even if you don't do anything with Cobots, just vote and say, yeah, no, I have no plans. If, uh, if we don't get 10 people to vote, if we can't get 10 people out of the hundreds of people who watch the show every day, then um, we're going to just make end the daily poll because nobody's interested in it. It'll be a short run, uh, short run thing. But uh, in any case, um, if nobody's going to vote, then, uh, then we're not going to waste that time with it, right? So in any case, if you think I missed any news today, and there was quite a bit of news this morning, um, then please send us your tips by, uh, via the news tip link. Also, if you want to send us your opinion, please send in the talk, uh, use the talkback link. Now, I'm going to stop here for a minute. And I just want to say that, just a reminder, there's no show tomorrow because I've been invited to uh, submit a 40-minute video for a virtual event that one of my big sponsors is holding. And so that's going to probably take all day tomorrow. So I won't have that four hours to put this show together because that's probably going to take eight to ten hours to put together, maybe back on Saturday to do that. But that said, I wanted to reach out to you and ask you for your thoughts on the future of automation. Like, what's the trends like? I know we, we talk about trends in automation every single day on the show, right? But if you want to uh, share the spotlight with me and be quoted in the, the video I make tomorrow, uh, sometime today, today's Thursday, sometime today, even if it's late at night, um, use the talkback link to send in what your thoughts are on the trends in industrial automation, whether it's digitization or AI, machine learning, cybersecurity, whatever you think. I would love to quote some of you guys from the audience and share your thoughts in my presentation, which I'll be putting together and filming tomorrow instead of doing the morning show. So again, call out. If you want to share the stage with me, send in the talkback form. Tell me your thoughts about uh, trends and future and automation, and I will try to quote you during my show, uh, during my session for that upcoming event. Now, the event isn't until November, but I have to have the, the, the video in uh, early next week, so I'm just going to do it tomorrow. Uh, I also want to, I, I do have to find a link. I want to share a link to this event so you guys can actually see my session, but 
I've not got a response from the people who are running the event as to the link as the promotional link for the event. So I got to reach back out to them. Um, in any case, from there, I do want to thank theautomationschool.com for sponsoring today's show. Really appreciate that. And I want to thank the three new people who follow us overnight at automation.locals.com. Thank you, guys. We're up to 12.50 now. And with that, I do want to also thank everybody who picked up a copy of my eBooks or my uh, video collections. Really appreciate that. As well as those who picked up a coffee cup, T-shirt, or both. Thank you very much. Every, every penny goes right back into the show and into the website. And with that, if this is the first time you're watching, after the show, after I do all the things that need to be done to send it out to as many destinations as possible, and yes, I'm working with all the there's two or three podcasting sites that are not updating it, so I am working with them. Um, you, you can come up to automate.news. Now, that URL does not have a www. It does not have a .com. It's just automate.news. And you'll see every link that I've featured in the show up here, including the link to the daily poll. So it'll be interesting to see if we get 10 or more votes by Monday. Because if not, we will have, that will be kind of a short run series for us. But uh, in any case, so that is automate.news where all the links are from today's show. And with that, we made it. Wow, that was that was kind of a longer show and uh, lots of news to cover, but we won't be here tomorrow. So that's okay. I really do want to wish you all a great day. I know a lot of you um, watch in the evenings. I know a lot of you watch live. I know a lot of you watch after the fact. So um, I just want to thank you all, all, whether you're watching this morning or tonight. And I really want to wish you, since I won't be around tomorrow, a happy weekend as well. I hope you have an awesome weekend. And with that, let me wish you a courageous, fearless, and awesome day and weekend. And until next time, my friends, peace. <laughs>